This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Hey everyone, welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world, Peak Too Early. I am one of your hosts, Steve Jenner, and I am joined by Mike Jenner, who is somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? Steve, I'm going to go ahead and get out of front of my own narrative. Yes, I got smoked by Flo. Yes, I almost got smoked by Trent's girlfriend. I get it. Listen, if you own Mike Jendron's stock, I wouldn't blame you if you were selling, selling, selling right now. I get it. I understand that if you added significant others into the equation, I might not make the podcast cross-country top five. I get it. I understand. It all makes sense. I'm getting out in front of it right now. But we're going to move on. We're going to put our head down. We're going to continue on. And Flo, whenever you want to get on the track together and do this thing, let me know. Megan, whenever you want to get on the track together, you let me know. That's all I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I sold the Mike Jenner stock, and I took like a 75% hit on that. I lost I lost big time. So, um, And as always, at the House of Sav, we got Trent Fontanella. Trent, how you doing, bud? I'm doing good, gentlemen. I don't know how I follow up on Mike's intro, uh, but I'll, I'll give you guys this. My ego took a little bit of a hit today as well. Not as bad as Mike's, but a little bit. I was going for a run this morning, and I'm going down this like handicap ramp next to the stairs, and I just take a digger. I do the classic, like, you know, stumble your ankles, three steps trying to hold yourself up. You just can't belly flop into it. There's there's like few feelings like that, right? Where, you know, I'm in the city, right? I'm in Somerville, Massachusetts. There's a lot of people around and you just feel like everyone in the world just stared at you. Just wipe the hell out. Not only that though. I also, I have my shortest pair of running shorts on no shirt, heart rate monitor, uh, my high socks, like compression socks, my calves been bothering me. So I just look like the biggest hardo in the world right now. And here I am <laughs> just belly flopping into it. So I do the quick, you know, jump up that type of thing, try not to let it bother me, continue the rest of the run. But I think we can all relate to that little, little ego hit you take when you take a nice little belly flop in front of, you know, hordes of people. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and at the 27 Video Production Studios, we have the P2E Two Mile showdown champ pro flow pro flow how you doing bud steve i'm good um and the reason that i'm good is really not that i'm the champ or anything like that it's really just that it's over just the fact that i don't have to keep running is the best feeling these have been a great couple of days where i haven't had to plan around a run um it's you know it's just an unbelievable feeling the one thing I do want to say is just a big thank you to everyone that supported me, mostly Patrick Donovan and Michael Dredina. My two coaches showed me the way for a few months because I really knew absolutely nothing. So they did a great job, great plan. Uh, but overall, it was a really good time. So so is that are you retiring while you're ahead? I mean, you're. I was talking about my stock. You should sell, sell, sell. I was thinking – People should be buy, buy, buy in the ProFlow stock. 
I officially retired after the race, but you know, anything could happen, I guess. Coming yeah, out, of out of retirement is always is always an option. There's no part of you that misses that daily run? No, what I'm looking forward to, if we're being honest about it, is about a month before the whole challenge came up, I was probably like four or five days a week just doing a slow two-mile jog around the city. I do miss those because every time I was going out, you know, on a mission, I am looking forward to my more recreational run. But I'm sure I'll get the bug down the line at some point. I mean, the the domination that occurred at that meet where you just destroyed Mike and the like, ridiculous spread that you didn't even need, basically. I would think that would light the fire under you. I think that would be the trigger of like just needing more of that, of just kicking Mike's ass. Like that's got to feel great. Well, I mean, it was it was a fun time. It was fun to get into it. I've never done anything like this before, but. I mean, I really worked my ass off for a couple of months. Like I was at the Charlestown track doing track workouts. I probably did. I wouldn't answer the question before, but I probably did like five, two mile time trials on my own. So I knew exactly what I could do. Um, and then I got out the week before to the Chumpster High track and ran it. I ran a 1309 by myself at the actual game day track. So like I really did work hard to to do well. So it was fun to compete again and like train for something because i haven't since college so that was honestly a blast but i'm not i'm not mad that it's over now <laughs> mike that's what hard work sounds like buddy well i was gonna say i mean obviously i did not perform right like that is pretty clear cut but it wouldn't have mattered right because flow smashed the spread wide open and you know would have I needed a sub nine minute two mile, which I've never even sniffed in my entire life. So, I mean, it was over before it began. Um, and, you know, he kind of led on to that in previous podcasts that I couldn't tell if he was just like giving me the runaround or not, but he kind of led on to the fact that the spread was a complete waste of time and a joke. And then, you know, it, it got proven there. So, you know, the, the, the spirit of the competition got uh you know we didn't even go live on on saturday morning for my race because it was like nobody wants to tune in to see a race that's already it's 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 over i mean it it was over before it began i knew it was over that morning because i i was texting with patrick donovan your coach and uh patrick you know like patrick's a loyal listener right he'll listen episodes and like after after our our discussion about like the football player you know, who would the, the football player in six months, would they be able to beat me tomorrow? Whatever he would, he, he would listen to the episode and he would text me instantly being like, you'd crush a football player. Right. He, he's a guy that he texts me a lot and he agrees with my opinions on the show. And I was texting with him the morning of the race and we were talking about flow. And, uh, I was just like, I was like, I don't know. I think I got this. And then he texts me. He's like, I don't know. Flo's been working hard. And then right then and there, I knew that he was, he was most likely your coach and he knew what time you were going to run. And he knew, and I knew that I knew it was over. I knew it was over. I was like, Oh, we got, we've got Flo's been doing some work. Patrick's been coaching him up and it's, and it's over. So congratulations Flo. It was a, it was fun to, to, to be out there watching. It was fun to be, you know, watching some live racing again. It was a good time. And thank you to everybody that, that participated. It was a, I mean, this was, this was one of the most fun moments of the summer for us. Um, it was cool to kind of, you know, be a part of something big, you know, have almost a hundred runners, virtually people sign up to, to, to join us in this crazy two miler, um, have a bunch of people 
join us for for a virtual after party. We had some impressive times being thrown down. Um, Brandon Allen running a 902, smoking 902. We had the the women's winners tie. We had a tie on the women's side for the win. 1141 for Megan Kruger and uh, Kara Kremins, who both are going to be on the show later. And we're going to be promoting a showdown between the both of them uh, this weekend. Because guess what, guys? Only one person can walk away with the belt. We don't, there's none of these, these, there's no participation awards here. There's no multiple first place prizes. Only one person can walk away with the championship belt. So we're going we're gonna to get excited for that. And we're going to kind of get into more of that later. Steve, what I will say is, yeah, we had just about, you know, roughly 100 runners in our virtual race. But what 100-person race has times like that? Holy crap. We had, we had a 902 and a 1141 in a two-mile virtual race, only 100 people. Those are some very, very elite times and I mean, you talk about like quality over quantity. I'll take that any day of the week, right? These just like crazy, awesome times. And then on top of all of that, I mean, we had an after party that went from everything from, you know, very organized presentations of winners to 1.45 in the morning. Uh, our guy Colin live streaming putting a group bet in winning it's us all a ton of money on a roulette table we need to break that down Mike. we need to break I mean, that down so on yeah. on the on at the virtual after party you know uh the the a guy who's been with us since the very beginning loyal listener colin um he he was he was in vegas but he didn't want to miss the virtual after party so he walked around the entire night with his phone on the uh on the virtual after party and he was just wandering around vegas so every once in a while you could look down at his little his little you know square on zoom and just see like oh colin's walking into this casino oh colin's colin's walking into the store picking up a a bottle of crown he's just walking and so finally at the end of the night we convinced him say colin we're all so there was only a handful of people left on on the stream close to two o'clock in the morning it was us it was our guy chris robertson um let's see harrison was on there harrison smith brian uh, from brian brian herzog was on there so guys that have been you know ride or die for the podcast for a long time hanging out all night finally we all venmo call and say hey we're gonna do one big roulette spin call and we're all gonna venmo you so we venmo him he takes he gets a bunch of chips puts it on black and we won, and that's how the night ended. Just it was a thing of beauty. It was so much fun. I was so impressed by like Chris and Brian and Harrison of like like we know Colin, right? Like we've hung out with Colin, great dude. We we know and we we uh, we have a relationship with him. These guys don't know Colin, and they're Venmoing him money like randomly before the bet. So they're just like Venmoing this stranger, you know, part of the P two E fam. So we know we know he's good, you know, grain of the earth type of person. Uh, but I love that, that like, not just us, like other people that don't know Colin are Venmoing him money for him to put the bet down. And then, you know, that's what happens when you like believe, right. And you get the, the positive energy. Of <laughs> there the was no way we were losing that bet. No, the gambling odds were on energy. our sides. Yeah. I mean, we promised that the after party might get weird and we delivered that the after party got weird. Like I said, we, we had our like professional stuff up front, but as the night went on, 
you know, the, the true fans stuck with us. And anytime you're ending a night winning, uh, you know, a roulette thing like that and, you know, whatever, say what you want about gambling, but it is so much more fun when you have a huge group like that and forget the money. Like it wasn't even about the money. It was about that one moment that we could all just go nuts together, like all on in on one thing, super excited about it. I mean, what a way to end our night. different corners of the country. Yeah. I mean, just, uh, just a wild way to end our night. So I would say the first peak too early virtual race. Now I think there's things we can smooth out. I think we learned a lot from this experience and uh, I think that the next race we put on is going to be even better than this one. But I would say the first one was a success. And we got to make sure we shout out Brian from Buffalo with the, the flow track subscription coming in big for oh, us so we could watch the God. Under Armour sunset tour. I mean, that's why the next after party will be even more successful because when there is late night track on, uh, we'll have we'll Brian hook us up with the, with the yeah, flow track right. account. <laughs> We were just like, we were all scrounging to see if we can get a login. And like, while we're like, you know, searching for a login for like 20 minutes, he just puts it up and we're like, oh, he's like, I got sick of listening to you guys talk. I just want to put this on. <laughs> so I was like, uh, I could have sworn we had a flow track login. One of us must have a flow track login. <laughs> I guess not. Oh, man. Anyways, great time. Glad we did it. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do something like this again in the future. So we're, we already started brainstorming plans for, for the next virtual race on, on at the after party. So look forward to that. All right, Mike, let's kick off the running news. All right, gentlemen. So we will kick off our news the way that we always do. And once again, we had quite a few results this past weekend. We had the big friendly number five. We had the Under Armour Sunset meet. And we had another Diamond League meet out in Stockholm. So there's a ton to get into here. Uh, I think we should probably start with the Diamond League. Let's start with Stockholm. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, we could like we did last time, break down every race and go through all these results. And there was a lot of exciting things that happened. To me, it was like Stockholm for me was a lot of the same, right? Like you had the same dominant people, men and women, just doing their thing, dominating the meat. Um, and so I guess there's some questions I want to pose to you guys on that. But before we get into that, if you guys had any specific races or performances you wanted to break down, let's get into it. I did just want to start by saying this. I mean, how quickly did we go from no track to overwhelming amount of track? Now it's like Mike sends the show notes out and there's like four different track meets that I got to make sure I've watched the highlights from if I, if I hadn't watched it live. So, I mean, I don't know what to do with myself now. I can barely stay on top of this after just like two weeks ago. Oh, there's a big friendly meet and that was all we had and it was great. So um, I guess just shout out to the track world for having track meets again. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the same from the previous week. I mean, we got Brazier just kind of dominating every single time he steps on the track. Nobody can touch him. We got uh, Chariot edging out Jakob again. But, Mike, let's get into your questions. Yeah, so the, fir- the first one that I wanted to ask on there was about Brazier. I guess it's less of a question. I guess I just had a statement that I wanted you guys to comment on. I'm at the point where I want Donovan Brazier to get beat. And it's not because I don't like Donovan Brazier. I love Donovan Brazier, and I want to see him keep Donovan's part. 
is getting kind of boring, though. I mean, this race that he ran, he sat back. He ran it much different than he usually does. He didn't go out there in the lead. He just kind of sat back. And just when it was time to turn it on, he turned it on and then, like, let up across the line. Like, it was so easy for him. And it's like, I feel like I need to get this guy fired up again. I need someone to come out and beat him. Let's get some controversy going in the 800. Let's get some competition. And I'm not saying I want him to get beat in the Olympics or on a championship stage. In fact, that's why I want him to get beat now is so something doesn't creep up on him in Olympic stage. Something's got to – I just can't – I don't know. To me, every week, it's the same thing with Donovan Bridger. You know he's going to step on the line. You know he's going to win. Something, something's got to give. Something's got to give here. I need something crazy to happen. I need a storyline. I need, uh, you know, my guy Bryce Hopple to come out of nowhere and scalp him right at the line. Like, I need something to come here. I mean, uh, that's that's a bold statement that you want. You want our our uh, our guy Donovan Brazier to lose. Now, I can understand what you're saying. Like, it's almost it's getting so easy for him where it's, it's almost like metronomic. Getting boring. It's like Every but week we're going through the same thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna put it this way. Like I'm gonna look at come at it from a from a different angle. I need Don Embrasure to start embracing more of a personality. Because buckle up. We are we're we're about to get go on a ride of maybe like one of the greatest runs of a of a of an athlete that we've seen on the wearing a US singlet um on the track, you know probably in our lifetimes it's looking like that it's looking like he is going to be the guy for a really long time if that's going to be the case i can't have a robot i need some personality i need a little flair i need a little playfulness with the crowd i need i need you to interact with the camera a little bit when you come across the finish line i can't have a robot get out there dominate the crowd look like he's not even tired step onto the infield and walk away i need a little life out of you donovan Steve, thanks for reacting to that first and giving some rational points while I took a second to collect myself after Mike's take over there. Mike, you are the worst kind of fan that roots for, <laughs> you know, the guy, the dominant American here to get beat. You're, you're the kind of person that's like, oh, Tiger Woods is bad for golf. I'm bored just watching Tiger Woods. UConn women's basketball. Oh, they're bad for the sport. You know, you're that guy. That's the worst. Like, watch the dominating performance. Respect the domination. We're Tom Brady fans, for Christ's sakes. Like, like we respect greatness. We love greatness. We like seeing domination because we like seeing the best athletes in the sport perform at the highest level and every time brazier gets on a track he he is potentially going to go out and run a meet record run a season best run a world record like every time he's on the track something electric could happen and i want that and i want to see him dominate as long as possible and for as many races as possible i want to see the win streak get longer than hopples was back in college like i don't want anyone to even touch this guy and we watched it in stockholm he was in like fourth place after the 400, right? He wasn't setting himself up like he normally does. And he still comes out and blows guys away. And that was not boring. That was awesome. That was exciting. No, see, you're taking it all wrong. I, I'm not rooting against Brazier. I am a Brazier stan. I am a Donovan Brazier fan. What I'm saying is I think we need someone for him to get to that next level, to get this spark on, to light a fire under his ass. I think he needs to remember what it's like to lose. And I feel like he's teetering on this like world record and like being the greatest 800 meter runner of all time. And it seems like, like that race, 
I don't know. I don't know what he was doing out there. He clearly wasn't going out for a world record. He was just going to win the thing, which is fine. I'm okay with that. But I feel like we need for him to get from like great to the greatest. We need something to light a fire under his ass. And so, I think so, that might need to be, he might need to, to get beat. And once he gets beat, he might not ever lose again. So what you're saying, Mike, is that Donovan Brazier, he needs his 199 draft pick moment. He needs exactly, his, he exactly. needs his uh, you know, David Tyree helmet catch to ruin the perfect season moment to, to, uh, to, to really fuel what could be the greatest because track and field it, athlete of all exactly time. what if all this is leading up to the moment that he does eventually get beat because i mean it has to happen at some point what if it's in a gold medal race i mean i would much prefer to see him get beat and get that fire lit under him before we get to that point and not have to experience him getting upset in a championship setting. I don't want to see that. None of us want to see that. So let's get it out of the way now. Let's get that fire lit right now. You act like it's necessity that needs to lose first in order to perform at the highest level. He doesn't like everything that he's shown on the track is that he doesn't need that. He he is just performing at such a high level every time he steps on the track. I don't think there's any need. I mean, yes, is a rivalry good? Sure. I'm all in for a rivalry, but I'm not out here saying, you know, it'd be good for him to lose. I think that's the most like BS argument. He's got you plenty of motivation. You don't think that. there's a, you don't think that there's a chance of getting content. You don't think there's a possibility oh, of getting content. And Hey, me and you, I, uh, you know, heard it from a, the a wise woman herself. She always said, our coach always said, a content runner is a dead runner, right? Like you, once you are content, it's, it's all over for you. So I'm just saying if this just becomes too easy for him and just keeps winning and winning and winning, there's, you don't think there's, there's a possibility of getting content. So Mike, you go back to uh, my brief interview with him after the, uh, the new balance grand prix. And I, and I, and I, the first thing I said to him, I said, we're here with Donovan Brazier, the baddest man in the sport. And instantly it took him seconds to say, Hey, I'm not the bad baddest man in the sport yet. So that does not sound like a content runner to me. Sure. Sure. And that, and that, that's fair. He's not there yet. He's still young. I just, I don't want him to get there. Right. I don't want him to get there. I, I get where you're coming from Trent. I get where you're coming from Steve. I just, I'm I'm looking for something here. There's got to be there's got to be a you know a a chink in the armor that we can work out here before it gets to the big stage. Well, you know you know what should happen is uh, Donovan Brazier has got to come on the podcast. So I we've mean, been playing this. We've Donovan. We playing this cat and mouse game for too long. Come on the damn podcast. Everybody Don, go DM. Mike Everyone go you DM against him. you. Mike. <laughs> And he comes on, right. I can say, I don't right. want you to win, and then we can move on. All right, let's move on. Uh, two other races I wanted to shout out quickly. 400-meter hurdles. Our guy, Big Wave Dave, was wearing his Bell Lab oh. gear in a Diamond League meet. That was kind of cool. Uh, I think he finished, like, fourth. Awesome performance. Um, but to be outdone there, he was up against uh, Warholm, who was just it just a <laughs> absolute badass. This guy is so good at the 400 meter hurdles. It's only a matter of time till he's a world record holder. He is also maybe the scariest man in track and field. He sits there on the line before his meet and just like punches every part of his body. He's punched himself in the face and the chest screaming into the camera. He looks like 
an absolute sociopath when he's on the line. So that was pretty electric. Um, and then I guess the last thing was the Jakob uh, chariot rivalry continues. Same thing. They went one, two. Um, in my opinion, again, and this is my humble opinion, I know chariot doesn't lose, but that was just, you know, I, I think chariot should hold on to everyone against the, he gets against this guy for now, because I think every day we, that goes by, we just get one day closer to Jakob Ingebrigtsen being the greatest miler of all time. So I did some stats and research before this work with our department here to get a good number for you. So let me throw this at you. Uh, Ingebrigtsen has raised Chariot head-to-head nine times. Chariot is 9-0 against him. How many – what's that? I see he's 19 years old. I, I, I'm not saying – I never said he was older than that, Michaelton. How, how old is Chariot? Like he's 25. Not he's like 25. He's got some prime in him left. Yeah, he's still young. He's very young. So my question though is how many how many races in a row can Chariot extend that streak to? It's nine and zero right now. Does it get to twelve and zero, and then Ingebrigtsen gets in? Does Chariot have a couple more years of this? Right? Is he gonna have to fifteen and zero? Like what what is the over under before Ingebrigtsen gets him? I that I mean I think that's a great question because I think you're right. I don't think we're there yet. I think we still have time, and we've talked about it on the last show like Chariot has, is just unbeatable right now. The guy can't be beat. Um, and like, I, but what I was saying is when the day comes, right. When the day comes that Jakob gets him, that might be the end of the dynasty. Um, I think it won't happen until chariot gets another, until he gets Olympic gold chariot will not lose until Olympic well, gold. And then I, I was just going to say, I was just going to say, I think that the Olympics getting pushed back a year was maybe one of the worst things to happen in the chariot, right? Cause if, I, if, if it could if, be, if Ingebrigtsen is coming on this strong, then another year to prepare. And he's, he's still just barely beating him at these, at these diamond league meets. I think it's just a matter of time before, you know, uh, Ingebrigtsen's there. And I, I also want to make another comment on chariot and why I think he's like really important for the sport, especially like the mile and the, the 1500 meters is he goes out hard. Like, I think if you have a guy like him in the finals, like, it completely changes the the makeup of that race, right? A guy that's willing to go out hard and race from the front. I think that come, uh, you know, Tokyo 2021, we see a very different type of finals in that 1,500 meters than we've seen in a long time, right? I mean, it's it's typically, like, the most tactical race, right? It's 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 like you know, you almost walk through two and a half laps, laps before the racing actually starts. I think we could see like a true all out 1500 meter in the finals in the, in the gold medal race. I hope so. I'm, I'm certainly rooting for that. I think uh, I'm a little nervous that Ingebrigtsen will get chariot for that reason that he does like to go out so hard is that he's not doing these races strategically. He's going out and racing like a, like a badass, which makes him very likable. And it makes me root for him in this personal rivalry. Like if I'm picking sides here, I'm going to be on team chariot. Um, but that makes me think Britson's going to be able to sneak up on him. One of these times that he goes out a little too hard. Like he did a couple of weeks ago at, at the yeah. Iron league and whatever it was that he ran on that first 400, you know, that, that could trip him up. So I won't, I don't think that number gets too much higher before Inga Britson sneaks out a win here. Sure. Uh, last event I wanted to hit on this women's 1500. We had a great Britain sweep one, two, three in that one. And then in sixth place, we had Shannon Robary 
who just seems to kind of be on a tear right now. Shannon Roberry kind of seems to be on her game. It seems like she's every meet she's showing up to, she's thrown down and performing. Uh, so I thought that that one was worth mentioning. All right, let's move on to the which one do you want to do next under armor sunset or do we want to talk about the big friendly five let's quickly do big friendly five then sunset all right it should be very quick let's see here is my quick recap of the big friendly five uh in the men's 3k uh yeah ben blank and chip one whatever uh (laughs) in the men's 1500 sam prako all right so we talked about this last week he has been like pushing the lead every time he gets on there, and he's always second, third place. Finally breaking through, barely getting that victory, but getting that victory anyways. Good to see our guy making that happen. Has uh, anybody raced more this summer in the world than Sam Prakel? Probably I feel not. Like every like every time I turn on, there's like a, a you know one of these one of these kind of pop up races. He's always always in it he's in he's in nashville last week he comes back he's in the he's in the big friendly the dude just loves racing and he's running multiple events he's like running the 1500 and then he'll go pace out the 3k for you know uh, a mile of that so no i became i mean i enjoyed talking to him but i became a big sam fan this summer i love seeing him out there i love he was always going for the win too right he was always right there in the mix and to see him come through in the last big friendly of the year that was that was awesome and then, you know, the marquee event, I would say, for this week's Big Friendly was the men's 800 meter uh, because of the names it drew, right? Obviously, we had a lot of the guys that have been in there, including Josh Kerr, but a one Matthew Centrance showed up, got on the line, ran a race, and got his ass whooped. What'd you guys think? Rooks be sweep, baby. Yeah. I mean, Josh Kerr smoked him. I mean, Josh Kerr, I, I mean, he's, you know, he's got to win some sort of trophy for just kind of dominating the, the big friendly scene. It's been, it's been a lot of fun watching him do all these races and kind of uh, be dominant against some, some really big names. But man, like, I just feel like this just goes back to like my argument on, on the Bowerman track team where it's just like, unless, unless it's like, unless you're on a world stage or you're racing against other people in a Bowerman Jersey, it's like, you don't even try. It's like central. Like, what are you doing out there? Like, are you just out there to do, I mean, you could have done a time trial anywhere. You could have run that time. You didn't need to be in a race. The dude wasn't racing. He was just out there. It looks like he was just, he was just like going to tack on to the, to the pack and and try to run a decent time. It's like, I don't know. It it was strange. It was it was so centro and you, you just like could have predicted it when he showed up for me. It didn't matter after not having raced all summer. He went right to the back, right? Like right off the, the start, he immediately falls into fourth and is barely hanging on, you know, to our, our guys, Josh and, and Henry. And I think Drew Rindle was the other guy up there for Brooks, but uh, it just was so centro. And, you know, you've said it over and over again, Mike, right? When he gets on the, the line at the world stage or behind it, but when you're watching like a big friendly race like this, like, how can you not, you know, walk away being a massive, like, Brooks fan and Josh Kerr fan right? and not a Centro fan? Just I mean, and, and, it's, and it's, like, one of, like, the central things that we talk about all the time. It's, like, I don't care where you are in your training or what your goal for that race is. You get on the starting line, it's race time. Like, it's, it's go time. You know, you're there. If, if, there's, if there's an official race, you're there to compete. And it's just, like, 
looked like he had no interest in competing. It was like, well, what are we doing out here? That's exactly what I was going to say. And I know I get a lot of flack for my flip-floppiness on these guys. But I think when there are guys, I'm, it's okay for me to be hard on them, right? Like, I, sh- I think I'm allowed to be hard on them. And I, I think what Centro's thing is, is, like, he, he shows up for big meets, championship meets, and his whole calendar revolves. Or, and when you're a gold medalist, all right. I mean, if you're if you want to have your calendar revolve around big meets, that's what it is. So something like the big friendly, it's like it's not a championship event. It's not that's not where Centro is coming out to like throw down. But you're right, it is so Centro where it's like the very next day he goes to social media and like makes a, a point to post this thing about like a picture of me pre-meet, a picture of me during the meet, a picture of me right after me. Oh, yeah, and by the way, here's a picture of me doing a workout after the race. And to me, I took that as if, like, listen, guys, I showed up there for the race, and it was really just part of my workout, right? Like, he didn't have to post that. He didn't have to put that on. But to me, that was saying, like, don't worry, guys. Like, I was I'm, – I'm not a 150 guy. I was just out there as it was part of my workout. And that just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And again, I know I'm hard on my guy Centro when he's wearing USA across his chest. Like I always say, I'm going to be rooting for him. Uh, I'm probably going to be putting my money on him. But again, he finds a way to just kind of irk me. Yeah, I agree. All right. And let's move finally to the Under Armour Sunset Meach, which I got to be honest with you guys, I'm a little bit fuzzy on because we did watch it at, you know, one in the morning after drinking for many consecutive hours um but i think the first person to bring up taking home his first professional dub was our guy carlos villarreal who we have on the show today so i thought that was a pretty good place to start uh cory mcgee's taking the 800 meter championship there a friend of the program sinclair johnson with a nice win in the 1500 meters and then, again, the marquee event came down to the men's 5K, where a huge name showed up. Ed Cheserick and the on guys, Ollie and uh, Joe Klecker, kind of gave him a run for his money. But, I mean, King Chez, I mean, what are you going to do? He shows up to a meet. He's a hard guy to beat. Um, and then a couple of names. PR for Ollie in that race, right? PR for Ollie. Huge PR for Joe. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it was a great race. I thought those guys went after them like they did pre- pretty hard. I mean, that's a, that's a huge name. And it's funny because of everything Chez has gone through in like the last few years, I feel like we haven't seen him race that much on the track. It is good to see him back on the track. And I feel like he's a guy, because we don't see him race that much, is a guy we forget about. And then every time he steps back on the track, like, oh, yeah, this guy – is still around and could do something really special at any given time. I feel like as like on the pro scene, he still hasn't had that like, holy crap moment, but he's a guy who, I mean, it's coming, right? Like yeah, King, King Chez is going to do something crazy at some point. It's just a matter of when all in all, I thought it was, it was a really good meet. Um, it was, it was fun for us because we got to watch it with uh, some of the P2E community there and have some nice little banter going. So I had a fun time watching it. Like I said, it's hard to uh, have some real good breakdown of this meet. because I was a little fuzzy during it. That's all. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, I think when, when uh, the, the on guys went after kind of the, their first 
debut in an on uniform. They did a, a mile time trial and both Ollie and Joe were under four. And I think Carlos had a tough day. I think he was like four oh eight. And it was like, oh, is you know, is Car is Carlos kinda on the same on level as these guys right now? Is he a little out of shape? Whatever. So it was good to see him come back, run a sub four. I think he was going after the Mexico uh national record and he was just off by like less than a second. So I think he just just missed out on that. But a great race nonetheless running uh, I think he ran three fifty eight. Um, great to see Sinclair Johnson back on the track, seeing her uh, be yeah. pretty dominant. I think, I think this was maybe if I, I think it was like her second ever pro race. Um, and it was, it was good to see her, you know, doing her thing, kind of sneaking to the front in that, in that last lap, kind of taking the win. Um, but yeah, it was, I thought, I thought this was, this was well done. Fun race. Love the timing of it. You know, a nice, nice Saturday night race for this us East coasters out there late night was fun. Uh, good to check in with some of our friends. And I don't even mean like our friend friend, just, just people that, you know, we've watched front track and then it feels like we haven't watched them in a while. So good to see him again. But the highlight was just watching it with everybody. The highlight is sure. it reminds you of how much freaking fun it is to go to a bar and watch sports, right? Like it just yeah. is more fun than having it on, you know, when you're at home, unless you have, you know, too much money on it, but just to like put it up and, and watch it with like a dozen people. Like we had at the after party. It just is fun. Damn. I miss bars. Remember bars guys. No. Bars were awesome. <laughs> I don't even know what it would be like to like sit in the bar and watch television and drink a beer. Just God, it's just, just, just sit there and just put the game on. doesn't matter. You just, Oh man. I, miss Dude, I Like I have like beer glasses in my house and you know, every once in a while I'll open my can and pour it into us. There's just something different about sitting on a bar stool with a draft beer. You know what I mean? Maybe they, they have uh what is it when they put like the cup in like the freezer or whatever you got the chill glass but the i don't know there's something about it different frosty mug exactly there's something different but when you're pulling back that tap beers coming from there you're watching somebody else's television it's just it's different it is absolutely different all right let's move on we got our results in nice job being nerdy track guys again we did it good for us shout out to us um all right, let's move on to the next story. Steve, you proposed this one. Uh, Joshua Cheptegei, in an interview, basically, you know, so he called his shot in the 5K, basically said, I'm going to go out there and break the 5K record. Now he's basically calling the 3K and the 10K out, saying those are next. Those world records are going to drop. What do we think? I think it's awesome. I love it. He called his 5K record, and then he just gets on Instagram Live, and he's just like, you know, keep an eye out for me in the 3K and 10K. I'm coming for those too. And we talked about it a little bit last week where it's like, this guy is the next great runner, right? Like he is, he is going to follow in the, in the footstep of, of a, um, of a Bekele, a Kipchoge, where he's going to start at this distance. He's going to make his way through all the track records. And then he's going to set his sights on the, on the marathon. And it's pretty cool to see, to see this starting to, to, to bubble up and see this kind of, this kind of confidence out of a guy like that. Yeah, no disagreement from me. Love the cockiness. Love the swagger. Love the approach of saying, okay, I got the 5K. Now let me go get the 3K and 10K. Like, I, he doesn't need to, like, push down that 5K anymore. You know, if somebody gets up and challenges it, I'm sure he'll go after it. But it's like a boxer, right? How many belts can you hold at one time? You know, let's get them all now. Let's see if I can get three at the same time, right? How many world records can Chep the guy hold at the same time? It's going to be fun in the next couple of years. And Champ, champ. Right. And, and like, I – that kind of cockiness we talk about it all the time. Like we want to see somebody 
be that way, right? Like be it, be a loud mouth. And, and that's not really what he is, but like being cocky with it and calling your shot and just saying, yeah, I mean that, that world record is going to be mine and I'm coming for it right now. I need more of that. And if this guy is going to keep being like that and just calling a shot saying, I'm going to go get this world record and then following through and doing it, sign me up, sign me up for the next two decades of Joshua Chepta guy. This guy has the potential to be an electric factory. Very, very excited for him. Uh, right. Moving on to the next topic here. We got Usain Bolt test positive for COVID-19. And I guess what I wanted to ask you guys here is, is this even a headline? I mean, he's asymptomatic. Uh, I mean, at this point in COVID, we're six months in. I mean, do we do we care about this? I don't know. You tell me. I'll tell you the story, Mike. The story here is that when you sent the show notes, I was just reading it pretty quickly at work, right? So I wasn't going to actually in detail. And I just see Bolt test positive. And because thank you, the show note was Bolt test positive for COVID. But I just see Bolt test positive and my jaw just dropped. Like, <laughs> what? And we had talked about it, right? He, there was that hint like maybe he's come out of retirement. So maybe he's, you know, getting on track somewhere and he's getting tested again. And it was like, no effing way. Like, my world was shook. I go immediately online. I Google, like, Bolt. And the first news story up is like, oh, Bolt's at a party without a mask on and stuff. And it's like, I don't want to talk about that. I want to hear some like, you know, some riding dirty stuff that we haven't had a chance to, to get into for a while. So I have no thoughts whatsoever on the COVID part of it because I'm still recovering from the thought that Usain Bolt had a positive test. Trent, what all everything you just said, all that was was two weeks in a row an attempt to try and prove that you were actually reading the show notes. That's all that was. <laughs> I well, I mean, it shows you how much I read it, right? I read it like a two sentences, and I go, "All right, holy shit!" Then read no. the rest of it. I'll, I'll tell you what this is. This is fake news. Usain Bolt does not have COVID nineteen. What it is is his coach is getting bombarded with emails, right. phone calls, be. text messages, be. people showing up at his house because Usain Bolt, as we discussed about a month ago, said, "Hey." If my coach said, let's get back out on the track, I'd be there. I'd have faith in him, and we'd, and we'd get back into this. And so people are just bombarding this poor guy, trying to get Usain Bolt back on the track. So he went to Usain Bolt and said, hey, you know, I can't live my life anymore. People are just bugging me so much to, to try and get you back on the track. We need to come up with something. And so they said, okay, we'll say you have COVID-19 and you, and you can't train, and uh, that that's going to be that. So this is fake news, and they're just getting it out there so people stop, so that people stop bugging his coach, and he can just say, hey, the guy's got COVID-19. We, we, let's leave him alone, okay? Steve, I love a good conspiracy every now and again, so I'm all about it. Um, all right, the final news story we're going to get into here is the London Marathon entries have been set. We are having a race, and we know who's going to be in it. And it's not just Kipchoge. It's not just Bekele, but we got a, you know, a, a pretty solid men's and women's elite field. I'm not going to sit here and run down who is in the field, but I do have two questions to pose to the group, and then we can get into whatever you guys want to. Um, but my first question is on the men's side, do we 
do we need the rest of the field? I mean, would it be better if they just put Kipchoge and Michele out there? I know, like, there's other great elite guys in that field, and, uh, you know, it gives it more of a marathon field. But would it be better if it was just those two guys? I'll say this. You can have. <laughs> can, can I look at the field? I don't know the field. I mean, it doesn't even matter. There's a couple guys, and there's some fast guys. Jared Ward is the only guy from the USA. I mean, USA. It, 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 but th- there is other really fast guys. I mean, there's like eight Ethiopians. It, it's a fast field. So, but does that matter, right? Like, do do we even care? So you can bring in these other runners, right? I'm okay with bringing in the runners, filling it out. It'll be good for TV. What I want, though is I want the buildup for this race. This is, a, this is on the media, right? All of the track media, the nerds out there, the us's of the world. I don't want to talk about anyone in this race. It's not Bekele or Kipchoge, right? I want the full attention on that. And then if somebody, you know, pulls a, a hamstring or whatever and rolls his ankle at mile six, you know, there's another race that they can talk about. But this should be Kipchoge v. Bekele. Um, you're not going to have the distractions of a bunch of other, you know, crappy runners like ourselves out there. You know, the other guys can run. I just don't want any attention on them. I want all the attention on the real showdown. Yeah. No, I, so if, if they're going to run, if they're going to run like a truly fast uh, marathon, they're going to take a shot at the world record, maybe even uh, a true sub two hour, then you're going to need a pack and you're going to need a pack of people running really fast. So I, I'm 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 glad that we have other people out there, and it's just not uh, these two. But yeah, the coverage at least for 20 miles better be about this showdown. And if somebody emerges, right? If somebody takes down, is looking like they're going to take down the 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 great Kipchoge, then then please, like, let's dive into that person and how they're racing. But for the majority of the race, let's be ready to talk about this showdown. I agree with and- that. And, and that's exactly my point, Steve. Like, I, I, I honestly don't really care if they go after the world record or whatever. What I care about is the showdown. I think it's an incredible showdown, something we're, we may never be able to see ever again. And, like, what happens if somebody besides one of the two of them wins? Like, I guess that's an okay storyline. But I think it clouds the whole... Bekele versus Kipchoge thing that we've created here. Like, I want like a head-to-head matchup, and if somebody comes up and beats one of the two of them, then what's going on here? You know what I mean? And I guess it's a big story if anybody beats Kipchoge, but to me, it's like the only person who could beat Kipchoge and completely change the history and the narrative of running history forever is Bekele because if Bekele does beat Kipchoge here, I'm not saying that Kipchoge's not the goat, but Bekele makes an argument for himself for not just the greatest marathoner, but the greatest distance runner. Right. I mean, like he has an incredible resume. He's putting himself out there. And if he does beat Kipchoge here in a head to head matchup, I mean, that's a really, really big deal in my eyes. So I don't want anybody else to win. I want this to be the two of them. And if somebody else wins, to me, that's like, it, it almost feels like a disappointment. Yeah, I get what you're saying. If, if Bekele wins, he's, he should retire on the spot. Absolutely. He should get his prize and say, I, I'm announcing my retirement and just walk off into the sunset. 
like that's like his cool. that's like his last mountain to climb right it's just like, yeah reminding thing. everybody that he's still the guy yeah especially in the wake of his 5k record just getting broken too i mean that yeah. would be that would be pretty interesting um and then so on the woman's side the question i wanted to post you guys so is Mo- molly seidel is going to be in the field and i understand for like olympic preparation and for personal reasons this is a great thing right like she's going up against the best in the world you can't find better competition but molly seidel is on this like reputation riptide she gained Uh, all of this positive press at the olympic trial she had an incredible race could this be a bad thing for her professionally to be going up against this field on a huge you know microscope the only marathon major that's happening this year could this be a potentially bad thing for her it's definitely a risk it's definitely a risk because you know she can it can only go down from here for her right? Unless she wins gold <laughs> and at the Olympics. Um, so it's definitely, it's definitely risky. That being said, Mike, you also have to remember that next summer she's competing in the Olympics and in her career, she's only run one marathon, right? And she needs more marathon experience. So, um, you know, I think it's a, for her, it's a risk worth taking. I, I love that question that you posed, Mike. Like basically that, that is some good, you know, hot take like ESPN radio stuff before the break. Like should Molly Seidel never race again, right? Like she'll go back down as, <laughs> you know, sweetheart. walk in, say your joke and then leave the room. Yeah. All right. Good night, everybody. <laughs> right. But you know, if we take that, if that question seriously, I, I actually do. I see it. There is kind of a downside for her running. Maybe she should hold off and just run like marathon time trials. Um, but you can't seriously ask her to, to you know, not run or, or not race just to uh, maintain that prestige she has. But I do love the question. I love where your head's at, Mike. Yeah. And I, I don't disagree with you guys, but I mean, I think it's something that we would look at in other sports, right? Because like, I am sure her performance at the trials financially and on a business standpoint has been a beneficial thing for her, right? I mean, it, it has to have been. and this is kind of her opportunity to prove that she's not a one hit wonder that, you know, she belongs on that stage. And it, it is certainly a risk. Now I don't think that like one race would completely deter her publicity and her contract stuff, but whatever. I mean, it's worth talking about and gentlemen, that is all I got for the news. All right, let's get into our interview with Carlos Villarreal. He is uh, from the University of Arizona, and he just signed with the On Athletic Club along with several other friends of the program. It was a good time talking to him. Let's get into it. Congratulations on the win. Oh, thanks. It feels good to be back out there uh, running sub four. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's been a it's been a tough transition, you know, uh, going from my college training to you know with training with Dathan. Yeah, uh, it's it's a lot tougher. So my body was taking a beating for like five weeks. Like I kid you not. Like it was it was crazy. But I'm finally coming around. Um, 800 this weekend, so I'm really excited about that. 
Very nice. Well, that, that's a nice transition to my first question. So you get a guy like, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're coming out of college, you join up with the on athletic club, which is, you know, we're going to get into plenty of uh, on athletic club because it's, it's becoming one of our favorite teams, but <laughs> now you're running for, for a guy. It's a first time coach in Dathan Ritzenheim. And I think that you could make the argument that in American history, in the, you know, American uh, distance running history, there isn't a more well-rounded runner than Dathan Ritzenheim. He's got a, he's got a sub 13. 5k he's got a 27 20 10k he's got a 60 flat half he's got a 207 marathon multiple time olympian what's it like running for a legend like Dathan Ritzenheim um it's actually uh it's kind of crazy uh the way it happened I quite frankly I don't really follow distance running too much in a sense as to like I had heard the name I just didn't know how good he was so when they told me when this whole recruiting process was going down they told me, oh, yeah, Dathan Ritzenhine, and it sounded familiar. I, and it's funny because I tell Dathan this now. And I didn't really quite know who he was until I looked him up, and I was like, holy crap, this guy's legit. You know, like, 1256 is no joke. Um, so, yeah, training under him has definitely been a big uh, big transition. Uh, his He's definitely more mileage-based, you know, higher mileage. Um, the workouts are a lot harder. I'm um, doing more miles. I'm also at altitude. So it's like everything was turned up a notch. Um, but it's, he's really cool. You know, he's really knowledgeable, really encouraging. And it's cool to be able to train with like Ollie and Joe right now. Uh, Beamish is a little banged up right now, but he's coming back strong and we're going to have a pretty good squad come 2021. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> Dude, I, I love hearing you say that you don't really follow distance running because yeah, right. ne- ne- neither did any of us until like a year ago. We, we <laughs> started doing this podcast because we all ran and we love like sports and running, but we're like, why don't we follow the sports? So we're like, this is our like, attempt to try and get interested in the, in the sport. Um, and make but, it more so, interesting. Yeah. Try yeah. and make it more interesting. So one thing I wanted to ask you about is, you know, you are coming in the super unique squad where you guys are all just graduating from college, you know, kind of taking some of the biggest names from the NCAA, putting them all in one, one team, which is a super cool thing. But I remember, you know, when I was in high school, we had some rival squads that we ran against and I didn't even know these guys, but when I was running against them, you know, they were on different teams. So I, I hated them. And then Mm -hmm. I ended up on the same college team as like four of them. And now they're all like my best friends. But I remember coming in as a freshman being like, Oh God, I hate these guys. How am I going to, you know, how am I going to stand being on their team? So I guess my question to you is you're coming in with all these guys who you've been competing against nonstop for the last three or four years. Was there any part of you that's like, Oh man, is this going to be weird? Like, going from competitors to now all of a sudden these are my teammates and my boys like what has that been like so far um it's it's been pretty cool honestly uh so me and joe have known each other since senior year of high school we actually ran at the dream mile together and he kicked my ass um i ran so bad there but i've known joe since senior year and we kind of became pretty good friends when he was at cu and i was at the u of a and so, yeah, I never really raced against him too much because he was more 5K oriented. And when we did race, it was in cross. So he'd always kick my ass there. Um, but I think we did run in the Pac-12 final my our freshman year. And that was like, I think when Grant, I think Grant won. Yeah, Grant won. And then that was Blake. I think Blake Haney took second. And it was just a stacked race. Um, I think that's the one time me and Joe have raced you know, in college in like a mile 1500 setting. Um, and then, well, Ollie and I, ever since I think our junior year, we had been going at it 
in like the 1500. I remember at Brian Clay. Oh yeah. At Brian, no, it was the year before at Brian Clay. I ran 338 and he was in the fast heat because he had run an outdoor, a really fast outdoor mile. I think he ran like 359. So he got into the fast heat where Josh ended up breaking the collegiate record. And him and I had met at indoor nationals like a couple couple weeks back. And I remember we were talking uh, before the race and just about like the race and all that. We weren't in the same race. And I, I won my race in 338 and he ended up running, I think it took like maybe fourth or something, but he ran like 337. And after when we were cooling down together, he was just giving me a hard time that, haha, I ran 337, you ran 338. So we were just kind of, you know, there's banter in there. Um, and then the following year, you know, Brian Clay is when we like went neck to neck again. Um, but yeah, and then Beamish, I ran against them only really like a, at Brian Clay and at Nationals. So, but we all, we've all been pretty good friends, you know, throughout college. Um, so it's actually really cool to, when we were all getting recruited and they sort of filled us in on who they were trying to bring in, it was actually really like, it's like, dang, like I used to be competing against these guys. Now, like we could all be on the same team and it actually happened. So that's actually really cool. I'm Everybody listening right now, you got to hit pause. You got to go Google Brian Clay, 1500 meters, 2019. And it is the closest finish you'll ever see in a race. I think, you know, you guys were 0.02 seconds apart. You dove at the finish line. I think he pushed you a little bit. If you watch it in slow motion, I think he may have pushed you a little bit. I don't know. You guys, do you ever guys ever talk about that race? No, all the time. Um, <laughs> it's funny because uh, even when we like, we do practices and stuff, we, so if we're doing like 200 cigarettes and that's the, it's the last 200, I'll, I'll sort of like jab at him and I'll like throw an elbow and then like, like dive at the finish again. And then we'll like, we'll just laugh about it. Um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, I remember that race because I was like in 10th, I think with like 400 meters to go. So I had to make a strong move just to make up all that ground. And finally, when I like caught him, I think I caught him with like 70 meters to go. He, uh, he didn't let up. He kept the, his foot on the gas pedal. And usually around that point, like my legs had gone completely lactic. So I was just, I had booty lock so hard. And honestly, at that point, I was just trying to stay like on my feet. And when it came down to like me leaning, I think that's when I just like, I went from, I couldn't move to like all my momentum, like forward. And then that's when I just ate it. And <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's uh, we do uh, joke about that race and other races too. It's actually pretty funny. Yeah. Am I the only one that hasn't heard the term booty lock before? I love it though. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Uh, Carlos, give us an insight onto the, the formation of this, this on team and the recruiting. So does Dathan giving you a call and then are you checking in with Ollie afterward to be like, Hey, are you been thinking about doing this or, or Joe and or Gordy and then trying to figure out if it's going to be the right fit for you? What is it? What does that whole like process look like for you actually making the decision to, to join the team? Well, yeah. So after NCAAs, um, that's when I guess like the whole process went underway. We you know once NCAAs got canceled. And outdoor also was like done. That's when we started, I guess, on reached out to all of us. And Joe was actually the very first person to sign. So Joe signed first. And then on reached out to me, Ollie, and I think just us two for right now. And then so they were talking to us and trying to see like, they were telling us like, yeah, like, we want to start a group, it's going to be in Boulder. 
um, Joe already signed, you know, we're going to have a really good coach. Um, and at the, at that point, they didn't really tell us who it was yet, but they told us like, it's probably going to be Dathan Ritzenheim. And then that's when I started like doing my research. I'm like, dude, this guy is fast. Like this guy's legit. Yeah. So, um, so I thought that was really exciting. So then, um, they, things got more serious, you know, it first became sort of this, uh, uh, one of my, one of my, my agent, uh, Ray was telling me like, Hey, on is really interested in, you know, starting a group and they want you to be a part of it. And I hadn't really heard of the brand before. Um, so then I did my research with a brand. I'm like, you know what, this brand is awesome. And they sent me some pairs of shoes to try out. And I actually really, really liked the shoes. And that was a big part of it. Um, because obviously you're going to be training in those shoes all the time. So you got to like the shoes. And I actually really like the shoes. So I was like, man, this is cool. You know, it's, it's got its own unique look. It's very plain, you know, it's got that on logo and that's it. There's not too much else going on. And I really like the shoes and things just start, slowly started progressing as to like, okay, so they're sending me shoes. They try, they sent me some clothes to try out, really like the apparel. So then Joe was already there. And since me, Joe and Ollie all had the same agent, we were all with Flynn Sports. Uh, we all kind of got to like really talk with amongst ourselves. And that was really cool. And eventually, you know, we all decided that, all right, let's make it happen. And so I, me and Ollie, basically, Ollie committed, I think, Friday. So he was the second person to like, you know, commit to the group. And then I committed on a Sunday. So like two days after Ollie. And then Jordy was like a couple weeks later. So that was like, it just sort of slowly went from an idea to, okay, we have Joe. All right, now we have Ollie, Carlos, and now we signed Jordy. So then like things just slowly started coming together. And that was actually really cool to see. Steve, your mic, you oh, got mute. Sorry. Uh, the rookie move. I said, sounds like some super team collusion to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, since we, uh, we were all like NBA going on right here. <laughs> this league. Yeah, like um, it's funny because when, when uh, I think On started talking to Jordy, Jordy reached out to me and said like, hey, like what do you think of this? You know, and I told him like, hey, well, I really liked it. Like I like the idea. They, they're investing in us, you know, when nobody else is, you know, they believe that we can, you know, make a good group. I told them uh, training in Boulder would be sweet. And I basically told them like, you know, um, I, I told them, ask them for, ask them for this. Like, I, cause I, you know, they had already sent me some of the stuff and I told them like, this is pretty cool. And I was like, ask them if they can send you this. So then like he asked and then he tried everything out and it was just sort of like, we all kind of talked amongst ourselves and it was actually, it was cool because we were all, pretty good friends but fierce competitors you know in college so <laughs> yeah did, did the name on ever scare you off i've gone on my rant how i think oh that's a dumb God. name for a brand i mean the the apparel <laughs> looks nice the logo is cool but like on i don't know did you did you ever get scared off as that um see well when they told me i didn't know what it was so i didn't know like i knew it was a brand i had seen it so i didn't really think too much about the brand i just really liked the logo i thought the logo looked so sick it looked like like the oh and it kind of looks like when i first saw it i thought it looked like a robot you know like it's got yeah. like the little the little head and like the little yeah so i thought it looked like a robot and it was just i thought it was cool um but yeah i never really thought too much of like the name um but yeah i've had people you know what's that when they tell them like on and then i told them like look it up <laughs> like you know like i i tell them like 
look it up. Oh, I've seen this brand before, you know, like, so it's kind of like one of those things that people have actually seen it quite a, like around. They just don't really know that's what it's called, you know? So it, that's kind of how I was. I'm like, Oh, I've seen that before. Like, yeah, that's, that's sick. You know, but once I first, Oh, it's called on. Okay, cool. You know? So for sure. So speaking of, you know, Steve was mentioning, you know, the powerhouse super team you guys are, are trying to build here. Uh, so I saw on your Twitter that you called a 2020 NBA championship for the Phoenix Suns. And, you know, I don't know if that was a little bit tongue in cheek or whatever. And obviously they didn't make the playoffs, but I mean, they did go undefeated in the bubble. So they are the bubble champion. So I think I got to give you like partial credit on calling your shot there. Yeah. So, um, the thing is I'm a big, uh, Arizona sports fan. So unfortunately for me, Arizona sports isn't the best. So we have the Suns <laughs> that were pretty bad for the last 10 years. The Cardinals were on and off, like will either make the NFC championship or will, you know, tank. Um, the D backs are very mediocre. We never really, if we have a good year, we'll make it to the playoffs. Coyotes, I don't even really follow hockey, so I don't really know. I don't think they're very good. Um, but and you know what? Like, that's just what it is. And the Suns, I'm, like, the biggest – out of all of them, I'm, a, like, the biggest Suns fan because I grew up with, like, in the Steve Nash era, you know, and uh, all that. So I was just a big Phoenix Suns fan. And every year I always have faith. Like, you know what? I think we can do it. <laughs> I think we can do it. <laughs> and finally, like, uh, once I just – I told my friend, I was like, I bet him in 2016, I think, was it 2016? I bet him in 2016 that by 2020, the Suns are going to win an NBA title. (laughs) (laughs) Terrible bet, you know, but that's why I tweeted it. You know, I finally tweeted Phoenix Suns 2020 NBA champs. um, I think like after like last year or something like that. And so it's been up for a year. And when we started doing really well in the bubble, I was like, like, I was like, holy (laughs) shit, like this could happen, you know? (laughs) (laughs) like the way we're looking you know if we can make the playoffs like I wouldn't be surprised we can we can upset the Lakers if we keep playing like the way we have been I mean obviously we didn't make the playoffs and uh but yeah no just big Suns fan hopefully next year uh we'll draft someone nice and make some noise in the west they got a bright future yeah um has it you know I think so you've been doing the sport your for, for for the most part your whole life. You've been you know, it's a tough sport. You got to grind it out. It's the only sport where you're you you're on racing. You know three you know three of the four quarters of the year. Like it's like an all year mm-hmm. thing. It's a grind. Has it clicked that you've just kind of gone from participating in the sport and and doing it as part of your your academic career to I am getting paid to do this? Has that has that set in yet? Um. Not really, honestly, um, because I didn't start running until I was a junior in uh, high school. So my first, uh, you know, my first cross country season was junior year of high school. And I used to play basketball my whole life. So I was born in Mexico. uh, So I played soccer like the first half of my, you know, half of my life, moved to um, moved to the States. And since soccer is not very big here, I picked up basketball. Um, So I played basketball basically the other second half of my life. And then I, that's when like, I went out for track, you know, just, oh, summer ball's coming up. I'm going to go out for track, getting conditioned for, you know, summer ball. Found out I was pretty good at track and eventually was talked into going for cross and even I found success on there. So for me, it was always something like 
it was basketball and track. So now being, uh, being able to, I guess, get paid in order like to compete and, you know, train with like people that I've been racing against in college and even in high school, it's kind of crazy. It hasn't really set in. Um, it's funny. Cause I was talking to Jordy and was like, I was telling him like, has it hit you yet that we don't have to go back to school yet? You know, like, <laughs> like we're seeing everybody going back to school and it's like, has it hit you yet that like, like once everybody's doing, you're never going to have to write another essay. Like, like it's, this is like practice, but like, you don't have to go to school, you know, like, so it, it hasn't really quite set in yet, but I guarantee you more towards like when school progresses down further and a bunch of my friends have to deal with like midterms and stuff like that. I'm going to be like, you know what? This is pretty cool. This is pretty cool. So, yeah. Yeah. Man, some of the best runners I know are former soccer players. There's something about growing up playing soccer that lends really well to obvious, like the obvious cardio piece. But then I think there's something about the stability you build in your, in your legs and your body playing a sport like soccer that just translates to mid distance running so well. Yeah. I think uh, surprisingly a bunch of uh, people from my high school, a bunch of the really good guys that were there before me were also soccer players soccer or basketball and I think it has to do a lot with uh I know in soccer it's like short sprints so you have to be able to you know kind of like in track you got to shift gears from like jogging down the field to you get a through ball so you got to sprint after it um so it kind of goes hand in hand um I think I same with like in basketball uh I uh, I was always the fastest guy on the court in basketball so that's why I went out you know and see how good of a sprinter I am on the track wasn't very good you know <laughs> but eventually the, the stamina from basketball helped me out with like distance running. And now whenever I play basketball, usually I play basketball in my downtime and I can play basketball full court up to 15, like, you know, at the rec, I used to be able to play, like, I would play for like four hours nonstop. It was yeah. just like, it was, it was awesome. So I think, you know, soccer, basketball and mid distance running go hand in hand. There's no like clauses in your contract banning you from playing basketball, like the Y for four hours. I would think on wants you to avoid a busted ankle that way. Yeah, no, no, no. That was, uh, that was back in my college days. Okay. <laughs> um, now it's, I'm actually a lot more careful. There's a basketball court right down the street too. It's like a little park and I just go there and I shoot and that's about it. Cause I just, I'm, I'm a baller at heart. So I just go make sure the threes, you know, the threes are falling and that's with that I'm satisfied <laughs> just just it's still got enough so when you're like 45 you can join the men's league and and yeah, pretend yeah, like yeah. you haven't missed a beat exactly <laughs> so I can only imagine right with the crew you guys have brought in there right like all the kids straight out of college you guys got to be having a little bit more fun than most of these professional teams right a lot of these guys get some seasoned guys in there maybe the you know, the Wiley veterans, it's like that. You guys got a bunch of kids who just graduated college getting kind of getting their first professional experience. I mean, has it already been a blast? And it, does it kind of just feel like you're continuing the, you know, college dream there a little bit? Yeah, see, that's, uh, I think that's another thing that I was like, when I was talking to Jordy, I was like, has it hit you yet that, you know, we don't have to go to school, you know, go to class anymore. Um, because it's, I feel like it's basically the exact same thing that I mean I'm doing the same things I did in college in terms of like I used to play a lot of Catan like Settlers of Catan hell yeah it this our house like our team is very into Settlers of Catan like it's like we have a board that like with like tallies that's like it's like Ollie 
Joe, myself, Jordy. And then there's like a different like part of the board where it's like just like different people. We add guests. It's like we take a tan very seriously. So same thing with like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then uh at on like trips and stuff, we'll uh we watch a lot of South Park. So we'll I guarantee you these past two trips we took the one we went to Nashville and then in LA we probably watched I want to say close to 50 episodes just <laughs> nonstop. it's we yeah we just we have uh we connect our laptop to the tv me Ollie and Joe are just you know laying on in the bed just watching South Park just cracking up the whole time <laughs> it's actually a blast <laughs> That's you know, awesome. I've spent like half of my time since I graduated college just wishing I could have like just one more day back with the boys, like reliving <laughs> that dream. And you get paid to just hang out with your boys, like do your thing, keep keep living that dream. I'm so jealous. It sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, we're it's 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 been a blast, you know, and it's 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 one of those things that when it's time to work, we get down to work. For um, sure. Like the workouts that's the one thing that's obviously a lot different is like the workload is a lot higher, you know, so workouts are tougher. I'm running more miles, um, altitude. And now you have to like, things are more serious to like, I have to start taking like iron because of the altitude, you know, and all that stuff. And yeah, I mean, it's cool. Cause like, we'll work our asses off on the track, but you know, have a grand old time off the track. So it's cool. Who's the best guitar player? I uh, see everybody uh everybody's pretty solid it's one of those I like playing with them because it's very uh it's very competitive I'd say right now so in Nashville when we played we took a 10 we took a 10 in Nashville and we set it up in the room and I won one Ollie won one Joe won one so it, we're all very like even the one person I'd say that's like pr probably like right now is on a roll is Jordy. Jordy's on a roll. Like he's won like three in a row. Um, he's pretty good. I have to like, he's one of those guys that I have to sort of like target him if I want to beat him. If not, he'll like, he'll make Ollie do some stupid trade and win <laughs> the game, you know, like <laughs> he'll outsmart Ollie or I don't know. Like Jordy's very, very like he thinks like so many turns ahead and well, he's injured so him. he can he can stay home and just study you know Catan strategy all day yeah and we have all the variations <laughs> with like cities and nights seafarers like and i get so mad when i lose too so i'm just like i get so mad and it's it, it's just so fun because like we'll sit outside um and right now you know it's summer but it's like not very hot here in boulder so we'll sit outside we'll have the game set up and we'll just be playing Catan, have a, maybe a brew or two and just chillax. <laughs> I love it that Ollie is the guy that makes the dumb trade that ruins <laughs> yeah. it for everybody else. Like he's not just screwing himself over. He's also screwing all the other players that he's not trading. with. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's actually pretty funny. Um, we also play with a couple of the CU guys. So me and Jordy live with a couple of the CU guys and um, it's basically just me and Jordy that go at it. And then the CU guys are just basically us there for trading. Like we just trade amongst them. And it's at the end of the day, it's me and Jordy going at it. But then when Ollie and Joe come in, um, they're pretty good. And then sometimes we'll even have some of the girls. So I know Alicia's pretty good. Alicia Monson, pretty good at Catan. So we got a big squad. <laughs> 
Very nice. So what's um what's next for for OAC? I feel like a lot of teams are kind of wrapping up their summer, getting ready for a little downtime, a little off season. Do you guys have a couple more races on the calendar? Or are you going to be wrapping it up soon? Um, so one more race. Um, yeah. I think Joe is racing in Des Moines this upcoming weekend. If that's I think U.S. Road Champs, oh, I yeah. believe. And so Joe's racing there, and me and Ollie are gonna head down to South Carolina. And I'm racing the eight and he's going to race the mile. And then after that, we're taking our downtime, you know, refresh and get ready to build up some miles for a good 2021. So that's, that's on tap. Very cool. So, Hey, we don't want to take up your whole night. It's been so awesome having you on, but we end every interview with a quick game. So Mike kick off down the home stretch, down the home stretch, rapid fire questions. Your topic tonight is super teams. We're going to hit you with rapid fire questions on super teams. Trent's going to hit you with the first question. Let's do it. All right, right. Carlos. What is the, the most dominant non running team that you've ever been on? I've ever been on. Mm -hmm. Oh man. It can be Um, like elementary school. Anything's on the table. uh, We used to have this. uh, So when I was a basketball player, I used to have advanced basketball class. And it was really unfair because, yeah, it was like a PE class only focused on basketball. Sweet. And it was called advanced basketball. And the most unfair team was uh, there was five basketball players in the class. Like, so obviously, like with the schedules, there was five teams on the varsity team. And I just we just so happened to all form one super team. And it was really unfair because, like, it was all these noobs. So we just completely destroy, tear everybody apart in advanced basketball, all the varsity guys against like just people that just want their PE credits. So it was, it was really unfair. Did LeBron James ruin the NBA? I see. I, I don't know that's a hard one because when he left to Miami, that's when like super teams became more of a thing, you know, he's sort of like, Oh, if LeBron's doing it, everybody else can do it. And people argue that, Oh, well the Celtics already had their big three, but I don't know. I think he might have, but then again, without him doing that, we wouldn't have had the iconic Golden State Warriors versus LeBron series. And in my opinion, that's one of my favorite, like, you know, playoff, like finals series of all time. So he may have for a little bit, but you know, the Golden State Warriors versus LeBron James, like, you know, rivalry was definitely well worth that. Celtics did three trades, totally different. (laughs) yep yep that's what i say yeah uh what team is devin booker gonna sign with to form a super team um i think uh don't tell joe will tell you minnesota he's been sending (laughs) me stuff about minnesota like we're getting booker but no i think because the suns did so well in the bubble i think people are now more inclined to come to phoenix And actually, since we have something going there, like the only place I can see him going is to the Golden State Warriors, in my opinion, if he wants to join like a super team. But if not, Phoenix is starting the next super team. You heard it here. Hopefully not. Hopefully Phoenix is the next super team. I'd I'd like that. I'd cheer for Phoenix. Yeah. All right. Since we're talking basketball here, uh, I'm thinking about the LeBron James, you know, not one, not two. So interpret this as you want. Championship can mean whatever you want. But how many championships are you going to guarantee as a member of On Running? Championships has a team. We're talking as a team. You can interpret that whatever, however you want. 
we are gonna win quite a bit. That's that's all I can say. Yeah, I'd say quite Cocky, a bit. Man. Super quite cocky. a bit. If if you could add one athlete from any sport except for running to the OAC, who is it? Damn, that's a good one. Holy cow. Um, I would say it would probably be Lionel Messi. Wow. Okay. Love He's looking for a new team. Guy. Well, Argentina. He's international. You know, and he's done with right Barcelona. With Maybe it's and OEC is, yeah. next. Exactly. Just put a soccer ball in his legs and he goes faster. That's right. Mike, hit him with the last question. All right, mine is very similar. To create the OAC super team, if you could add one track athlete from another from another team, who would you bring in to the team, oh, wait, hold on. to the squad? All right, later. Oh, wait, repeat that? <laughs> Sorry. It's all, it's all good. <laughs> I was saying, if you could add one other, you know, mid-distance distance runner from another team to, to add to your super team there, who are you bringing in? Donovan. Donovan. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I mean, I love it. Or oh, Donovan. Him. It depends. It depends, actually. I'd say Donovan or Bryce. I love it. I love it. That's my it. boy. Bryce Hopple's my boy. But, Can't go wrong with so, either one of those guys. Yeah. Well, Carlos, no. thank you so much for coming on. This has been a ton of fun. I get, Like I said at the beginning, we're already huge fans of the OAC. It's, uh, it's going to be a fun team to watch, and uh, we're going to be cheering you on. So good luck with everything, and, and tell the other guys we say hi. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'll, I'll let them know. All right, that interview with Carlos is brought to you by Bellap Track and Field Gear, where your purchases go directly back to professional athletes. Support the sport you love with the help of the Bellap boys. Look good, feel good, run good. And when we say that your purchases are going directly back to athletes, I mean, like we were talking about earlier, in the Diamond League meet this past week, our guy, Big Wave Dave Kenzira, was rocking Bellap gear down in Stockholm and pretty cool to see. Yeah. It's very cool to see. And so it's like, when we're talking about that stuff, like when you go and buy stuff on their IG page, it's helping guys like him. I mean, you can clearly see he's wearing his stuff and those guys continue to hook us up because the age group winners at the P2E two miler this past weekend got hooked up with some sweet bell lap gear. So we thank them. Thanks for supporting the show. You guys now, do your part. Go support them. And also, we need to give a big shout-out to our guys at the Harrier. So the Harrier is an uh, Instagram uh, page. You can go, I'd go follow them right now. But they got some cool kind of lifestyle gear for runners. Um, so they, they, it's essentially an apparel company, but they do funny kind of interesting T-shirts. And they sent us a couple T-shirts. Um, I'm rocking mine right now. I got a uh, Evan Yeager. Uh, college dropout shirt so it's essentially like the kanye west college dropout album but with evan yeager in it uh steve did they did they send us one of those galen rupp mask shirts by any chance no they didn't send us okay. one of those but they well, say I'm, you i'm gonna get on i'm gonna get on and go buy one because the galen <laughs> rupp i need the galen rupp mask shirt i need it <laughs> they sent you mike they sent you the uh 
the the drip drip choge shirt. Oh yes. So it's pretty oh freaking awesome. It. It's just it's a it. picture of Elliot Kipchoge from his uh was it was it Vogue magazine? One of those uh, GQ or something like GQ, that. Yeah, one of those GQ, fashion yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh then, man, I need it. And then Trent got the the Centros. It was the Cheerios box, but it's Centros. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then um uh Flo, you got you got the uh what is it, the Sistine Chapel painting? Uh I they, with uh they they're holding a um uh a Vaporfly. So Oh uh, yes. So it's fire it's, fire yeah, shirts. Awesome, awesome shirts. Uh, I'm sorry, Alpha Fly. So it's a uh, they're they're pretty cool shirts. Go check them out. Funny stuff, guys. You know that are similar to what we're doing, just trying to make the sport fun. So go check it out. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna have a quick in, uh, interview with both our female winners from this past weekend. We're gonna interview Kara Kermines and then we're gonna interview Megan Kruger. So let's get into our interview with Kara. <laughs> We are here with Kara Kermins. Kara was one of the winners or women that tied for the win in the P2E two-miler. So like we said on the after party, we're going to have her and we're going to have Megan on to tell us a little bit about themselves, but we're going to have them pick the distance that they want to run or they, they, they're going to lobby for the distance they want to run for the showdown between the two female winners. And uh, we're going to have a nice little surprise to determine the actual distance that's going to be raced between the two. So Kara, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, tell us a little bit about your running background and what distance you want to race in this showdown. Sure. Well, thanks for having me on. Um, I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. I've got one running fan in Boston and that would be <laughs> pro flow. Um, I, uh, yeah, I ran in middle school, mm. high school, college, and now I'm just racing virtual two-milers for <laughs> WWE belts. And I think I, I definitely think that we need to run the mile because that is America's race, and no other wow. country does that. And you know what else is really American? Miller Lite. That's what I'm talking about. Way to go. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> slight slight pandering but I'll, I'll allow it all right so you're going with the mile now is this you know just to be clear are we going like 1500 we going metric mile or are we going like true mile no true mile true like mile like you said okay. that 1609 1609 okay awesome awesome so okay so we're running it because it's 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 the it's the most american distance that's why you're picking it absolutely okay when's the last time you've raced a mile couple weeks ago oh so this oh, is what you've been training fresh. for <laughs> did you race the mile in college or uh, were you a mid-distance runner in college i think i need to keep that a secret from megan wow <laughs> okay. all well, right that, that brings me to my question do you have uh any good smack talk for megan she won't hear this don't worry it'll just be between us <laughs> No, so it's so funny. When we were Zooming the other night, I like privately messaged her at the after party. And I was like, sir, are we going to talk mega shit on the pod about one another? But, like, but that's really not how I am. So I'm really sorry. But like, do we need to be in character? <laughs> I mean, it couldn't hurt. Just give her a little something, a, qu a quick jab. I literally don't have anything. <laughs> <laughs> People are too nice. You're too nice. <laughs> all right. All right. So. So we got, so you're putting in for the mile. I love, I love why you chose the mile. 
So we're going to hear what Megan says. Then you're going to hear from us in terms of how we determine the, the distance that you're going to race. So Kara, thanks for coming on. And we're going to be tuning in this weekend to see the showdown. All right. Sounds good. Talk to you guys later. So now we're going to talk to the other women's winner, Megan Kruger. Megan, so we're going to have you do the same thing that Kara did. Or just give us a little bit about your running background and then kind of go into what distance is your favorite distance and why you think we should run it for the, uh, the women's showdown. All right. Um, so yeah, my running background is, um, well, I always joke that, uh, and the epitome of your guys podcast name was peak too early because my peak was back in eighth grade. Um, I did a lot of really into running growing up and then in middle school and, um, was really into track and cross country and, um, dealt with a lot of injuries, uh, after that point and never really came back to like competing, but have always continued to run recreationally, I guess you could say. Um, but love the sport and love to, yeah. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say an eleven forty one is recreational. <laughs> Seems pretty legit to me. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> um, All right. So, what what distance and why should we do that distance for the showdown? All right. So, well, thought a lot about this, um, and so. I guess, all right, well, I'm, I'm one of the most indecisive people, so I might, might have to give you two options, but, um, so my first thought is, first thought is 5k, so, um, so reasons being, um, you know, obviously I've been training for this two mile for, for a while now, so gotta keep it, like, within a close distance of what I've been training for, but, um, keep it, like, you can do it on track, so, fair fair course for everybody no you know i know we're not going to be able to go head to head so you got to keep it fair that way um and uh may or may not have done a little bit of learning about who kara is um when you run in college you're smart up online so um seems to me like she's real quick at some of the shorter distances so i had to do myself a favor and go a little bit longer so those are my I like reasons. the research. I like the research. All right. All right. That Smart. Megan was like snooping around and getting some of Kara's times. I was so fired up. I was like, this is what we need. I need to know everything about her so that you can so, use that to your advantage. Yeah. I mean, I think. So, I need- so is, is that, is that the distance 5k? 5k is uh, otherwise my thought was to, in the spirit of the podcast, do something like a beer mile, which so, I don't know that, which I don't know. I mean, I, I, that might kill me, but um, <laughs> maybe some modified like half, half the amount of beer. But um, I don't know. So yeah, that could go that way with Spirit of Podcast because I feel like that it's kind of a crapshoot how you do it. <laughs> I, I like that idea, and I think that we're gonna do a beer mile, a virtual beer mile in the not too distant future. So hold on to that. Right. But let I, let's stick with the five k. I like that call. Okay. That's a good All right. call. Go with five k. All right. So so hold on, Steve, uh, Megan. I just, we just talked to Kara and um, I don't know. She had some semi nasty things to say about, you You know, she was talking this pretty good smack. So I was just wondering if you had any rebuttal, you know, any smack talk you wanted to throw back her way. 
since she was so nasty to you. If you don't, you're going to be disappointed when you hear what she was saying. So, oh, yeah. Wow. Well, this is where I thrive. So, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, well, I guess, guess all I'm going to say is if, uh, so I said a little bit longer distance of the 5K, if their, her endurance in, in running is anything like lasting on the, the, post race after party on that zoom. Oh, I think I got this one in the bag. So. Let's go. Shots this fired. Shots fired. Okay. Thrown. All right. So what we're gonna do is uh so you threw out a 5k. Kara, like you said, she went with the mile. Um she 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 I think she's a little bit quicker. She's got a little bit more of the the short distance speed. So we decided this this rule, what we're going to do, we decided this the afternoon on Saturday afternoon when we realized that we were going to have a tie in the women's race. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a 5k, we're going to take a mile, and we're going to take the average, the exact distance in between a mile and a 5k. And that is the distance that the race will be. So actually, that, that point one is going to really mess things up a little bit. Let's see. What does it come out to? Can, can we just call it a two mile? <laughs> I know. This is like a, yeah. like a redo. Yeah. I mean, it's just going to be the two mile. It's just going to be the two mile. Not that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. It was, it was meant to be. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's throw out the, well, let's throw out the point one. Let's make it a two mile. True two mile. None of this metric two mile bull crap. And uh, we'll do it on, we'll do it on Saturday morning. Right. Sunday back. morning. Run it back. Run it back. Run I back. cannot All wait. Right. This is great. Sounds good. All right. Got to go out for a rundown. <laughs> All right. Let's kick off the bell app. Mike, what do you got for people on the bell app? All right. So last week, I kind of, you know, wasn't really ready for my bell app and kind of half-assed it. So I put some serious thought into what I'm going to say tonight. And here's what I'm going to say tonight. I have been binging a new show with my wife, and I was a little skeptical at first, right? It was one of her shows. She kind of talked me into watching a few episodes with her, and now I'm addicted. And listen, I don't care what anybody has to say. I'm not too proud to talk about this show. It is a fire show. I'm all in on it, and the show is Gilmore Girls. If you haven't watched Gilmore Girls, get on it right now. That show is amazing. It's hilarious. And I'm crushing it with or without my wife. I don't care. My wife's gone this weekend. I'm going to sit here by myself and crush some Gilmore Girls. I'm all about it. Okay. Yep. Uh, Fire show. Trent, what do you got for people in the Bell Lab? Wow. This is a PSA to my neighbors, an announcement. Uh, Whoever lives at 10 Florence in, in Somerville, I'm calling you out. Um, I can't have your dog barking on Monday or Tuesday nights because that means I have to shut my window and I don't have AC and I can't turn the fan on because it's too loud and it messes up the podcast. So now I'm super hot. I'm super sweaty. I'm uncomfortable. I, I want cold. Like I run cold or I run hot. I don't even know how it works, but I'm uncomfortable in the hot. I'm more comfortable in the cold. And when your dog barks, I have to shut my window and it's really throwing off my game and I have a lot of frustration pent up. So please shut your dog up Monday nights and Tuesday nights and whenever else you have to get on the pod, or I might, you know, take some drastic measures that I don't want to talk about. I'm I, sure I they're think, listening, Trent. Yeah. I think what we're learning is Trent just doesn't like dogs. I'm a cat guy. 
You would be. ProFlow, what do you got for people on the Bell app? Um, well, the good news for me and for Trent is we were able to win a little bit of money this uh, past weekend at the two-miler. But what I'm going to spend my money on is what my Bell app is, and it is Oktoberfest is back in the liquor store. Fall is here. Sam Adam Oktoberfest is here, the pumpkin beer, and I am very fired up and excited. Are you, are you already going in on it, Flo? I can't. I can never do that. I, I need. I need it to be close. I need to be closer to fall. It's still so gross and hot out. I can't be drinking a October beer. I'll just pump the AC. I'll throw some Oregon football highlights on YouTube because that's all we got, and I'll just crush pumpkin beer. And I can't wait. Steve, Steve, I think we've talked about this extensively, and I think we set a timeline for when it's okay to start drinking Oktoberfest and pumpkin beer. I think we put that at patriots opening day football right is that what it is so i mean we're not we're not too far away flo i'll cut you some slack but that is in general the timeline we've created that's fair i i'm probably in the wrong on that but it's free Uh, I don't have anything for you guys on the bell app. Just a big thank you for, to all those that participated in the, in the two mile, um, the, the shirts for the most part, we get some odd sizes left on there, but for the most part are gone. And like we said, like when we do these apparel drops, they're going to be small runs. So if you want a shirt, you got to get in when they, when they come off the printer. Other than that, you know, it would be a huge favor to us. If you guys, if you enjoy what we're doing here, just tell one person about what we're doing here. One person that you think would also like it, tell them about it and keep those iTunes reviews coming because those are so important to, to what we're doing. Um, so please, if, you, if you're listening and you like what we're doing, you haven't given us an iTunes review yet, just go give us five stars if you think we're a five-star podcast. I do. And then give us a quick review. Other than that, boys, I would have run faster, but I peaked too early. Bat, hit me with the Josie. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it all. only board game yeah yeah well yeah i have it on my phone i play it on long air flights i have plane <laughs> flights so we well, me and jardina got into it in like my senior year of high school so he would come over i would say like three or four nights a week and play settlers with me it'd be me him and my dad and there would be nights where the three <laughs> of us on like a weeknight it'd be like a wednesday would be up to like 1 30 in the morning with my dad playing settlers of Catan. <laughs> <laughs>